Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here and taking time out of your day to listen and grow with God. We pray that God will speak to you and you will experience His amazing love through this message. Let's take a listen. Right. Well, that looked like a blast, and I could tell a few of you guys out here were kind of feeling that as well. So, uh, but we had a blast at camp. We heard a, a bunch of cool stories from our students and our kids, and they said they had an incredible time. Uh, and just a quick recap: we had 57 students go to camp with 12 leaders, and we had 61 kids uh, go to kids camp with 12 leaders as well. And we had six kids out of those accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So that's incredible. Incredible, incredible time, and so thankful for camp. I love uh, camp ministry. I actually worked camp. These, both of these camps the kids went to, I worked those for like 10 years, and so I love those. I actually met my wife at camp, and so I think it's an incredible ministry, um, and I'm excited we get a chance to send our kids to that as well. Uh, but I do wanna say a special welcome to our uh, Monroe and our Oconee campus. Thank you guys so much for joining us here today. And also, everyone else watching online, I know this is like a kind of a July 4th weekend-ish, so you guys might be at the beach or the lake or wherever that might be. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Um, but we're gonna be diving back into the book of Romans. We're gonna be looking at Romans 8 today. Um, you guys know we're going through the book of Romans this summer. Um, and like everyone up here has said, there's really not enough time to kind of dive into the entire book um, while we're up here just for a few minutes. So we're just going to kind of give you an overview of Romans 8 today. Um, but before we do that, I want to give you a little life update. Uh, life update for us is we got chickens. And so I know, I know, not probably not where you thought we were going with this one. Um, but we got chickens. Here we go. Got a picture of my kids. My, this is my kids in the back. The chickens are in the front. Um, but thank you, thank you. First service did not laugh at that one. So I knew... It was a tough, it was, it was gonna be tough after that. But, uh, but yeah, and so we, uh, we got chickens right now. Uh, I mean, we're practically homesteaders in our neighborhood, you know, and so we live on like a little half acre, you know, and we have like a four by eight uh, garden. So if everything goes down again, you guys know where to find us. We got chickens and a garden, so we're good. But, <clears throat> but uh, our, our, my kids love these chickens. And first of all, really, I, I call them chickens. Right now, they're more or less freeloaders, okay? I didn't really know this is what happened. I thought once you got chickens, they automatically give you eggs. Did y'all know this? But that's not how it works, okay? So we had uh, friends um, at the, the Monroe campus uh, raise these chicks to like, you know, a few weeks old. We got some chickens. I'm thinking, all right, here we go. We got some free eggs. We're fixing to make this happen. I found out that it's not until they're like six months old or something like that until they make eggs. I'm like, what in the world are they doing at my house then? They're just kind of hanging out, you know? But Anyway, my, my kids love them, so this is great. They're kind of like pets at our house. They play with them, chase them, you know, that kind of stuff. And my wife loves them as well. They have like three places to stay. They got like three different coops around our yard. I'm like, what in the world are we doing here with these, you know, chickens or whatever? But I'll keep you guys updated on the chickens as I get up here and teach every now and then. Um, and also, I'll actually come back to those in, a, a, you know, an illustration here in just a second. But <clears throat> my question for us today, and it's on your notes, and you can write down more if you'd like to, is what is your mindset? What is your mindset? Chapter eight here in Romans is what the first seven chapters are pointing to. We see that we are sinners. We see we have the law which exposes our sin even further. And then we see now in chapter eight how we're actually supposed to live this out, how we're actually supposed to live this in everyday life. So Romans eight, verse one. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh 
to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us so we do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And that's a big thing we're gonna kind of bear down on today. Verse five, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the flesh desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So we see right here what the law could not do, and that is to save us. The law could not defeat sin, it could only detect it, only Jesus can defeat sin, and he did that through his work on the cross. So God sent his son as a sin offering, and God sent Jesus to do what we could not do, and that was to die in our place so that we could have a relationship with him. So Paul does not say that we fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. He carefully says that the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. It isn't fulfilled by us, but it was fulfilled in us through Jesus. So we see that our mindset needs to change as well. We read that just here in a second, or just a second ago. But we no longer focus on the things of the flesh, right? We don't focus on these things going on around us. We don't focus on the things that other people are doing in the world all around us. Pastor Jonathan even mentioned a bunch of these things that people are doing all around us in the world is condoning. No, we don't live that way as believers. We put to death that, right? Another few other examples of these in Galatians 5, 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We also reference these as the old life. You know, when we accept Christ, we put off our old life and we walk the new life of Christ. And so what are some of these things we're actually supposed to be focused on? What are the things of the Spirit? Galatians 5, 22. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. So my question for us is, what is your mindset? What are you focused on in your own life today? Are you focused on these things of the flesh that we need to try to push aside and get rid of? Or are you focused on the spiritual mindset, focused on the things that God has called us to do? But we see even Peter had the flesh mindset in Matthew 16, 23. He tried to get Jesus to avoid the cross, but Jesus called him out and said that you have the wrong mindset. Think about this. Peter wrote some of the New Testament, early church father, a lot of these crazy things. He did some cool stuff. And even this moment right here, he tried to get Jesus to not go to the cross. He's like, you know what, Jesus? We see the cross is probably not the best idea for you right now. Let's go ahead and do it a different way, right? And Jesus had to call him out and say, no, that's not what we're doing. You're focused on the here and now. He said, I'm focused on the future. I'm focused on spiritual things. And I think we do this in our own life, right? We still turn back to our flesh mindset, but we have the power of the Spirit inside of us to live the way that God has called us to live. But sometimes we have to learn these things, right? Once we accept Christ, it's not like an automatic, like we accept Christ, boom, we know everything else, right? No. Once we accept Jesus, we still have to learn this stuff. It's still a process. We're still getting there, and we're working our way to him. This actually reminded me of a story of our chickens again and uh, my kids. Um, a few months ago, we actually, my wife and I had two weddings to go to in one day. 
And so it was gonna be a lot of fun. It actually reminded us of our old school student ministry days. So we were actually student pastors here at this campus uh, a long time ago. Um, but what we used to do on Friday nights is we would go to a high school football game at Grayson High School. Um, and then at halftime, we would leave there and then we would drive over to Archer High School and go to that game as well. And like in the parking lot, we'd like change shirts because you know, we're gonna be like for the team. You know, we're like wearing the grace and we're like, oh yeah, we haven't been to that other school. What are you talking about? You know, and so, but we're trying to be, you know, being all things for all people. But it kind of reminded us of that life because we were going one up in the mountains of North Georgia and then also one uh, uh, wedding in Monroe. And so we were excited about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. There are two of our old students that are now our friends and so we're gonna have a blast and we're gonna be gone a long time. Uh, but you guys know I have three kids and you've heard some of the stories that they get into with us there. You know, I mean, leaving them along, leaving them with a babysitter that long with, you know, without us, we were a little nervous but Mary Franklin stepped up and she said she could do it and, and, uh, and we were excited about that. So we have a fun time. We're gone like all day to these weddings. It was crazy, it was a lot of fun, beautiful. Uh, and then we come home, uh, we haven't heard it too much. We're thinking everything went well. We hear, we hear some of these stories that actually happened while we were gone. So I'm just gonna share one of those here today. Um, <clears throat> they were playing outside and uh, one thing was they were playing outside and Drake caught a lizard which is pretty common in our house. We like catching you know, wildlife, lizards and frogs and other kind of stuff like that um, and having fun with them. But Drake caught a lizard and he was trying to sneak it inside the house and he said he wanted to keep it as his new pet, right? But Mary caught him early and said, no, we're not playing that game, which I did think about like if that thing would have gotten loose in my house, no telling what my wife would have done. But <clears throat> so Mary's like, no, we're gonna leave this outside. That's more of an outside pet. We, you can leave it out here. Maybe we can catch it again. And he's like, okay, that sounds good. You know, I really wanted to show my parents, but I'll, I'll, I'll do what you said this time and I'll leave it outside. He said, but you know what? Before I just let that thing go, I wanna show my pet lizard to my pet chickens. Oh, you guys must have chickens. Because he takes his pet lizard and he goes over to the pen where the chickens are and I'm just gonna stop right there for those who don't wanna get grossed out and I'm just gonna say that the lizard is no more, okay? <clears throat> but I was talking to someone between services and I really think that they got the idea of the velociraptor from these chickens in the movie, you know, uh, Jurassic Park because these things are savages. So just in case y'all didn't know that, they will eat lizards. So now we know. And now Drake knows. He still brings it up probably every couple days. He's, at, he's like, Dad, you remember that? I was like, yeah, we know not to do that anymore, right? But... I think, it's a, I think it's a good thing to learn, and the same thing with our own spiritual walk. We have to learn these things, right? It's not something we just know automatically once we accept Christ, we know we have to live this way and do these things. No, it's a gradual process, and we're learning, getting rid of the, the fleshy desires and actually focusing on what we are called to do, focusing on the spiritual life. But we do the same thing, right? We do the same thing. Um, there's a great book we read to our kids at night. It's called Theology. And if you have kids, I recommend this little Devo book. Um, and also, every time I'm up here, I like to point out, again, deep devotion time. We try to do this every night at our house. But again, it doesn't always go well. I do highly recommend you guys trying devotions, praying with your kids and that type of stuff. But it's not gonna always go well, right? I mean, like, I feel like probably 40% of the time they're paying attention, you know, and you feel pretty good about it, and then you transition into, like, prayer time. We're gonna, like, pray for people and pray for stuff, and the prayers are like this. They're like, dear Lord, I just pray for tomorrow that we would have ice cream and cookies and that it might be somebody's birthday so we can eat a lot of ice cream and cookies. Amen. And I'm like, well, you kind of got it, but, you know, I understand what you're doing, so we're working. You know, again, we're working on it. But this is a great little devotion book. 
And in this devotion the other night, it said, it describes this, what I'm gonna explain it, as working our way to Jesus. No one will ever get there on their own, but they must work their way to him. Jesus is the only way to heaven and to God, but we must work in living the way Jesus has called us to live. Also, we're to put off things of this world, Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Their spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by this we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. But we no longer live by the flesh. We don't have to live this way. And I hear people say this all the time. They say, well, the devil made me do it. And that's a contradiction. I can talk about that one other time. But Paul tells us right here that we don't have to go that way. We don't have to go back and do that thing. We are free to live according to this. You ever feel this way that you have to go back to sin? Yes, we live in a fallen world, but we don't have to go back. We are free in Jesus. And true life is putting to death the life of flesh, that we are free to live the life that God has called us to live. Another thing is that we are adopted into his family. We're not trying to earn our way in. We're not trying to do enough things to get into heaven. We're not trying to do all these things, but instead, we are adopted into his family. Another thing that my kids like to say is they, that they just have to do something, right? My daughter loves to say, well, Dad, my heart told me to. My heart just told me to have that extra snack. My heart just told me to come out of my room at night and, you know, whatever, go play in the other room with toys. They love to say this stuff. Or, or they also love to, like, blame their, like, younger brother, right? They're like, I'm like, why did you get all these toys out? Or why did you get all these, these pillow cushions? Why did you take all the pillow cushions off of the couches and put them in the middle of the room? They're like, well, crew told me. I'm like, you are seven. You're saying your three-year-old brother told you to do this? And she's like, yes. I told him it was a bad idea, but he told me I had to do it. I'm like, you're twice his size. You don't have to listen to him, you know? Like, come on. Pulling, the, pulling all the, the, the cushions out, dumping all the toys out, all this stuff. They, they love to kind of blame him, right? And he's just looking over there like, like I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just telling him to do stuff, you know? But we do the same thing, right? We listen to people. We make excuses. We even say, well, this is the world we live in. I just have to live this way because this is the world we live in today. But we don't have to do that. We are free to live the way Jesus has called us to live. I read this other devotion that said that we are in a battle in this world. We fight to push through, but we're gonna lose some battles because we're human and we also live in a fallen world but this is where we need to turn back to God and turn back to the Spirit. Satan will try to make us feel like we don't deserve it or we aren't worthy, but we are co-heirs with Christ. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be, that will be revealed in us. These sufferings of this time aren't worth glory or heaven. There will be tough times here, but it's not worth what we get in heaven. So we need to focus on what's ahead of us and not right here all around us, but instead we need to have the future mindset, the spiritual mindset. Verse 28, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and that he predestined, he, and those he predestined, he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. So God has been working in us forever. And God is working in our life and this also shows God's power. He is mightier than we can even imagine, and he is all-knowing. This was his plan, and he's been working on us. His main goal was to make us more like Jesus. He adopts us into his life so that we can be more like his son. These verses lay out plainly that God knew beforehand, and he calls us to himself. And God can even use everything in our life for our good and his glory. Everything we do in life can be used for him. There's a great question that someone actually told me to ask myself anytime I'm in a good situation, bad situation, whatever it might be, and the question is, what is God trying to teach me here? I think so often we run through life, we run through situations, run through these things, and we just kind of press on, right? We got a lot of stuff we gotta get done, all these kind of things, but instead, if we would slow down and ask, like, what is God trying to teach me? Is it something good? Is it something I need to turn back to him? Is it something I need to remind him? Or I need to you know, thank him for where I'm at today? Whatever that might be, we need to remember, what is God trying to teach me through this? Verse 31, <clears throat> what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is always there for us, giving us everything that we need. I heard someone say it like this. We're in a courtroom, right, where Satan is bringing these accusations against you. And he's saying, well, you know this guy, he's a liar, right? But God's response is, well, Jesus' blood covers that. And then Satan's like, well, you remember this guy's past. You remember what he's done in the past? There's no way you know you can forgive that. And God's answer is, well, Jesus' blood has forgiven that. And he says, well, you know what? I bet tomorrow this guy's gonna sin and mess up again. And God's response is, well, Jesus' blood has covered that. And I think so often we forget this, Right? And it doesn't matter what we have, we can fill in the blank with whatever you have in your own life, and the answer is yes. If we have accepted Christ, then Jesus' blood has forgiven that. Because if God is for us, then who can be against us? Verse 38. For I've convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I wanted to wrap up with these verses. It says that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus if we are his. If we've accepted Jesus as our savior, then we are his. And people ask me all the time, well, can I lose my salvation or can I do something wrong? That's a lot of times, like what if I do something wrong? What if I say something or do something wrong? Well, his goal isn't to bring us this far in life just to dump us. He is God, this is his plan and we are his and nothing can separate us. Nothing you've done, and nothing I have done. Yes, we're gonna fail. Yes, we've messed up. We need to turn back to him, but we are his. I've heard people, uh, I've heard this from people. They say that when tough times come or hardships or doubt, they ask the question, where's God? And maybe you've done that as well. Maybe you're in this situation. Or maybe you've done this at some point. And I heard a story, kind of a, a great way to illustrate this. And there's a man, he has this, this kind of realization or this, this conversation with God in a dream and um, they're walking along a beach. 
and he's noticing, you know, they're, what they're doing is they're actually recounting his entire life. And he's able to kind of look back and see things, going, what happened in his life and all these kind of things. And he starts to notice in certain situations there's only one set of footprints instead of the two sets of footprints between him and God. And he, he stops and you know, he points to God and he says, but God, look at these hard times. I've been trying my best to live for you and look at, this was a hard time in my life. Where, did, where were you? You left me. Why weren't you here? And God looks back and kind of chuckles at the man. He says, this is where I actually carried you in life. This is where you couldn't walk on your own. You couldn't survive. You couldn't do this on your own by yourself. So I actually was the one that carried you through this life. And I think so often we forget that. In the tough times, God is always gonna be there for us. And he is always gonna be there carrying us through. And I think this is so true with us. We forget that about God so many times and wonder where he is in our life, but many times he's carrying us through these tough times, whatever we're going through. Even when we're trying to do right, we're still gonna have some tough times ahead. So my challenge for us is to change our mindset from a fleshly mindset focused on what's going on all around us right here instead to a spiritual one. Focus on what's to come in glory and not just the temporary hardships when we focus on the future. We don't have to look back at the past. I heard this illustrated like this way as well. You know when you're driving, you have your windshield, 95% of your windshield is focused forward, right? And there's a 5% little thing up here, the rear view mirror, you know? Because yes, you need to know what's going on behind you when you're driving, but if, if you only focused on the rear view mirror when you're driving, how, how well do you think it's gonna, how, how well do you think you're gonna drive? <laughs> yeah, not very well. I mean, you're gonna know what's going on behind you. You can look and be like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, there's three cars coming up. One's fixing to pass me on the right. Like, you can see all that, but you're not gonna be able to drive very well, right? And I think that's the same thing in our own spiritual walk. We need to be focused on what's ahead, focused on what's going on in front of us. And yes, we need to 5% of the time, we need to look back and see what God has done for us. We need to look back and see the, our old life, but we don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on our spiritual walk, focus on what God is calling us to do, because I think so often people get stuck driving, looking at the rearview mirror, focused on, on their sin, or focused on things behind them instead of what God is calling us to do. So we need to focus on what God has promised. He is our king, we are his sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, we need to focus on heaven and don't get so wrapped up in this world and fleshly desires, but instead, we need to focus on him. We need to have your mindset on spiritual things and not the fleshly desires. So my last thing for us, and this is specific to all of us in here, this is the question you can write down on your, your notes. What do you need to give to God so that you can have a clear spiritual mindset to live for him? What do you need to give him? Is it, is it anxiety? Is it, is it worry? Is it fear? Or is it one of these things we might have mentioned here? Is it some type of a fleshly desire in this world? What is something that you need to give to God today? and say, I'm gonna give you this, God, I'm gonna turn away, and instead of focusing on these things, I'm, I'm, I'm instead gonna give these things away, and I'm gonna focus on the spiritual mindset. Let the spirit inside of me lead me instead of my own self, instead of my own fleshly desires. So that's my challenge for us today. What do we need to give to God so that we have a clear focus on him? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for today. And just the opportunity we got to come in here and, and worship you. 
And Lord, I just pray, Father, that whatever we have here today, God, that we would give that to you. Whatever we're focused on in our own life and our own fleshly desires or any of those type things, God, that we would give that to you and remember, God, that we are co-heirs with Christ. We no longer have to turn back to this world. We no longer have to turn back to these fleshly things. But God, again, we can focus on you. And we know it's gonna be a learning process. We know we're gonna have to walk to get there. We're not gonna run or jump or any of those things, but it's gonna be a process. And I pray that we would do that. But Father, I pray as we have some time to hang out with friends and family, hopefully in the next couple of days, God, that we would again be a light for you. That we would tell other people about you and God, that we would live by the Spirit and not just ourself. So Father, thank you so much again for everything you've done and blessed us with. We pray, God, that you would be the one that gets the honor and praise and the glory in our life. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We look forward to connecting with you. We hope you have an amazing day, and we'll catch you next week.